And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yastrzemski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Thank you to Rick, and thank you to the orchestra. Welcome to the 99th edition of Entitled Town. Get your free bowl of popcorn and cheese and crackers. Um, we're gonna we're here to talk about a a topic that might be uh, with my brother John. It might actually been the genesis for this podcast. We're going to talk about Deflategate uh, with regards to Mike Florio's uh, revelations in his new book, uh, Playmakers, coming out. Um, some of the timeline and just diffusion and confirming what a lot of us honks and bobos and footy pajama wearers thought regarding Deflategate. But I want to lead off the podcast with an old goofball board member email, the old BSMW board, Bruce Allen, thank you very much for creating that. Uh, this is from old board member Claude45, and I think it's worth leading off with before I throw it to Dan. Uh, this is from Claude, the incompetence and corruption from 345 Pack Avenue, Pack Avenue, I'm from Dorchester, clearly, never ceases to amaze, but the Flategate could be the pinnacle. The NFL operations doesn't understand science and the ideal gas law so much that they burst with excitement over nailing the Pats, punctuated by the you're fucked quote in the Mortensen 11, 11 out of 12 report. They put the Pats on their back foot, and even when big assumption here, these dummies know they're wrong. Tens of millions of dollars later, Goodell completes his smear job on the premier player and premier franchise in the league. He quote unquote wins in federal court on a technicality having proved nothing, and then they lay a pretty heavy punishment on the Patriots and Brady, he has managed to camouflage league incompetence to the mouth-breathing Patriots haters, and public opinion is forever cemented against the cheating Cheatriots. Now, a smarter, more competent group would have taken the perceived win and rested on their laurels. This would not be the case with our assholes Goodell and Troy Vincent. Still not understanding the, the science, or so, or science, they believe they are above the constraints of the physical world of mere mortals. They order to have test measurements taken at halftime the following year across the league. Think about this monumental ignorance, ignorance, and just really straight up stupidity. After all this research, testimony, and information they heard, they still didn't believe in or understand science. They really thought the tests would prove them correct. When, to what I can only imagine was a surprise to the slack-jawed morons, science, the Patriots were proven correct. What they did is most natural. What they did is most natural to that group of unethical, corrupt scumbags. Stop the testing, bury the results, and pretend it never happened. On the plus side, I now realize just how phony Troy Vincent's spiritual tweets and posts are. Just the talking the talk of an honest, God-fearing man, but walking a very different path. At least Goodell is just an unabashed dummy taking flack for the owners. Claude, thank you for that email. Well put. Uh, Dan, Deflategate, uh, Spygate has long been a passion of yours, poking holes in those stories, endless hours of conversation between you and I. What was your reaction? It's, it's tough to get in bud with a scumbag like Mike Florio, but what were your, your thoughts on the report coming out in Florio's book? That was a great email from Claude. Um, we should talk about what the revelations Florio had, that, that he had two revelations. One that uh, after they were done, collecting all the data in the 2015 season, Jeff Pash, uh, I think they, the, word, the word they used was expunged the data. They didn't, yes. uh, they, they never revealed it. 
And the other one was that Troy Vincent was the source for uh, Chris Mortensen's uh, 11 out of 12 balls were two pounds under regulation. So um, my my first thought is something, uh, reflect on something that our buddy Pat 67 said. He said, too bad that Florio didn't have a book to sell seven years ago. No shit. (laughs) But um, I... I, I, I want to be a little bit wary here because Florio is not a guy to be trusted. He's not a journalist. He's an aggregate aggregator. He's uh, made a fortune off of uh, opining off of other people's reporting. Uh, he never facts check fact checks is the stuff that he puts on there only correcting after the fact. So unless he names the source, uh, how can we take what he writes any with uh, any more conviction than uh, then let's say Seth Wickersham's anonymous sources. So we just can't take it as gospel because it fits what we believe. But if true, uh, I want to think about what that actually means. I haven't seen anybody write about this, that if, if it means that Pash learned the numbers supported the Patriots, but then in April, they still took the Patriots first rounder anyway. They still appealed Judge Berman's decision on Brady that let Brady play the 2015 season. Um, and after they got the decision they wanted from the district court, they still pursued a, a four-game suspension for Brady, not even lessening the penalty in light of the new information. And most importantly, it means that they never gave a damn about ball inflation. The PSI data revealed that countless games had been played before with below standard inflation throughout the history of the league, and they did nothing to change that. And games now are routinely played with foot, uh, football's below standard PSI. The inflation standard doesn't mean a goddamn thing. The Mike Florio angle I thought was interesting that I hit on and that you hit on in your answer, Dan. A couple of the answer from the old, the current slack from the Boston Sports Media Message Walk kind of echoes the consensus and adds to the row of chairs. Our old buddy Gus Chiggins says, regarding Florio, I always think of the line from Wall Street by Sir Lawrence Wilder. You're a two-bit pirate in a green mill and nothing more, Gecko. Not only will you sell your mother to make a deal, You'd send her COD. And Lefty says, everything Florio writes, quotation fingers about the PSI may be gospel, but I've always maintained Mike Florio is a talentless backstabbing snake oil salesman who builds his site on the work of others. I do believe the Patriots got screwed, but I take no strong feeling from whatever diarrhea he is now peddling to pimp his money grab. Well done, Lefty. Um, Mike on route one, uh, take your chair out of the row. Um, you have some interesting thoughts we've discussed on the thread uh, regarding Deflategate. So uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I guess first um, I like, I like you know Dan's point about Florio, and he is a um, and I, you do have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. He's kind of he's a gossip columnist. You know, the National Enquirer has broken a lot of stories, Tiger Woods, whatever it is, right? Right, right. Uh, but also they're gossip columnists. So yeah, so right. Let's take take that with a huge grain of salt, but. And the other thing is, uh, I like Claude bringing up Troy Vincent, and I'm I'm glad that he's been dragged into this because uh, I've long been a uh, market inefficiency guy when it comes to the Flategate hate, um, kind of swimming against the uh, against the current a bit. Uh, in that I I liked I liked um, you know fingering the uh, the Ravens for for stuff. Um, my Dean P's obsession, of course. Right. Uh, you know the the Ravens are are. Um, are Barzini and then the Colts are uh, the pimps to Talia. So that's always what I've kind of viewed. It's so um, 1970s reference check. Um, so, 
But um, you know, my, my take on this whole thing isn't isn't anything new. And I thought this at the time. I was the biggest Tom Brady honk there was. And as a player, I still I, I still am. I think first, you know, everything you guys have said, the science explains the deflation, so we shouldn't be having this conversation. That's that's just it. Uh, the report is is a weaselly shit show that accomplished accomplished exactly what it set out to do, um, and they didn't understand the science. Uh, to to you guys' point, um, and I don't even think it was a conspiratorial act to understand it. They're just dumb people with fancy degrees. I really don't think that's. They've, they've, they've got their law. They've memorized the law. They don't know the ideal gas law. Um, but it's just so. But in a court, I think none of the evidence would push things toward beyond a reasonable doubt. If, if Tom Brady was a defense, uh, was be, was an accused in a, in a, in a criminal trial. Uh, but given the standard of more probable than not, it seems that this is close to being met. Um, I think Brady has some deniability, but I. Um, uh, I don't think it's clear cut that he was involved in a conspiracy. Uh, the closest thing I think to a smoking gun there is, is just Jastrzemski texting McNally. Um, I talked to him and he said, it must be a lot of stress getting them done. Uh, I don't think that's indicative of um, guilt, um, but it's clear given the previous exchange that they were referring to Brady. Um, but what really makes the exchange awful uh, are their explanations for them. Uh, you know, these are just two not very bright guys uh, and things kind of get out of hand, I think. Um, they said the stress reference was the him in the stress reference was just Shremsky's friend and his stress of selling season tickets. And I can tell you there's no stress involved in that. Um, it doesn't pass the smell test and the friend under um, questioning did not corroborate um, that it was about him even. It was about somebody else third hand. Um, so one of the frustrating things I think is that uh, about those text exchanges though, is that there is that text regarding the October Jets game um, that Brady complained about how high the ball pressure was. 16 PSI. Correct. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty exculpatory. Um, the next day, Jastrzemski texts McNally that he checked the ball pressure and there were 16, he says, the ref, the refs fucked us. That to me indicates that there was at um, that point, there was no conspiracy, right? Like, because there's clearly a process in place whereby these balls are going out there and the refs are the last people that have, have any say toward, toward ball pressure. Um, that to me indicates there's, there was, there was nothing there. Um, now the league doesn't exactly allege that the conspiracy arose after that game, but I think, you know, that's kind of the implication when I read it. Um, but if they were to have alleged that, that would kind of call into question. There's this May, May 2014 text message included where um, McNally gives, is giving Jastrzemski a hard time. And he says, hey, um, I'm not relaxed. I'm not going to ESPN yet. So why, why would that be included if they're not alleging that this was a long term kind of conspiracy? Because what, what would the inclusion of that be if this does not predate, predate the October 2014 game? So it just kind of all those contradictions, but look, I do think that the none of the excuses that those two clowns make look good. And to assume that it was something and Brady could, Brady was not going to go out there and throw these two guys under the bus and be like, Oh yeah, I knew nothing about it. That just, that's not, wasn't going to happen for, for a number of reasons, you know, because of who Brady is, uh, the kind of guy he is. And I think a, a guy of integrity, I don't think he's going to do that. But it doesn't mean he's not above, you know, uh, skirting the rules a bit. I just don't think that it, any of those texts are explainable and they don't look good 
but none of it holds up uh, when it comes to this. Like, like you guys said, the science does not back it up and it should have ended there. And, um, you know, they went for the death penalty for, for five miles over. And it is, it is the biggest disgrace in league history. That said, I think, um, you know, I, I do think he probably, it's, it, it is more probable than not. Um, Tom Brady instructed them to take air out of the balls. Okay. That's, that is, that's certainly a take. Um, regarding McNally and Jastrzemski, uh, let's check off another Entitled Town reference. Matt from Framingham would call them clowns acting like clowns. So I think that's that's just apparent. Scartelli, I think it's important to note regarding Brady, I think there's a large segment of the, the patriotating population at large that thinks that Tom Brady was found guilty in a court of deflating footballs. He wasn't. It was the CBA that allowed just a terrible negotiating by the NFL Players Association to allow Goodell not only to be the judge and the jury, but also be the appeals court uh, in this case. So uh, what were your thoughts about reading the despicable Florio, you know, giving us, uh, listen, there's Dean Warman knows the chance of the Patriots are getting their pick, picks back and Tom Beatty's getting his salary back and the Patriots are going to get their fine returned. What was your, your reaction um, to the Florio? The, I don't want to call it nonsense, but the Florio report. It, uh, it certainly scans in that uh, the usual rogues gallery is involved in, in this business here. Um, just today, uh, our favorite uh, mittens wearing dullard brought up uh, Jeff Pash talking about how, how the Patriot fans are all upset that he destroyed the, uh, that he expunged the, uh, you know, the PSI evidence. But don't you remember how he also made the decision to get rid of all the uh, Spygate tapes? So really, you should be happy about that. Thinking that uh, Patriots fans, any which were, were happy that the uh, tapes were destroyed. Everyone knows that that was, you know, something that uh, that should never have been allowed to happen. If uh, I could, uh, if I could cede some of my time to Dan, who's got uh, some thoughts on this, I'm sure, or any of the other uh, gentlemen with regard to the with regard to you know, going back to, from the uh, destruction of one set of evidence to another set of evidence. Scarcy, I think that's a great point that the, the destruction of the tapes may have been the first domino to fall in the, the bullshit deflate gates, essentially, because everybody, the Jets and everybody else in the league was butthurt over it. And of course, as Mike says, you know, the Ravens are the, and the Colts are the cause of all evil. So, Dan, do you have any thoughts on that being the first domino, Spygate destruction of the tapes being the first domino to us deflate gate? That's always one of the things that they say with Spygate is that, well, they destroyed the tapes, they destroyed the tapes. That's what proved it. But de destroying the tapes is not the thing that helped the Patriots. That's the thing that hurt the Patriots. That's what that's what created all the confusion. That's what created the uh, uh, the conventional wisdom that they were hiding something, covering something up. And my content contention is that uh, Jay Glazer's tape from earlier and Matt Walsh's tapes, which were shown the following May showed consistently what was what the Patriots said that they did. And they would have been the exact, same exact same thing that would have been on those tapes. Um, the other thing is that there, uh, we can say rumors here that we're, we're not, we're not held to the same uh, editorial standards as well. Those are the same editorial standards. I've, I've seen three different rumor sources stating that the Patriots had uh, proof of other teams among amongst the evidence that was destroyed that day was uh, Patriots had uh, proof of other teams doing the same exact thing. It's true. It's uh, 
another good point, one that gets left out, left out, not a lot, it gets left out all the time, unless, of course, you're listening to the 99 episodes of Entitled Town. John, your thoughts on Florio's, uh, Florio's report? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go down the Spygate, quote unquote, path, but I've always loved the fact that Spygate was really about Bill Belichick looking at a bullshit league memo and saying, go fuck yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's really how it all started. And I've, I mean, you know, it it went down the down the hill from there. But it, it, it's always been about it's always been about the arbitrary nature of the league and Belichick's kind of respect for the traditions of the league. That's, I think, one of the grand ironies of this. But, you know, let me let me tee up a couple things that that I think about. And it's it's kind of a response to some of the common um tropes that you find on social media the first is if brady were innocent why do you destroy his phone and this is this is my favorite this is the one that sets me off the most because the idea of tom brady giving his phone to those scumbags in the league office so they could leak every bit of personal information and all of his personal texts and all the texts that he sent to guys like edelman about you know duncan on peyton manning uh, in their text chats and stuff like that. The fact that that would get leaked out by the league is 100% likely. Well, and the email, the email about the color of his yeah, pool absolutely. cover was leaked. A- absolutely. So, so what else was on that phone that was personal in nature that, you know, the league would have had a field day leaking it out to embarrass them. You know, fuck those guys. I'm glad he destroyed the phone. People say online all the time, well, if he was innocent, why wouldn't he give up his phone? It's like, come on, you know? You're really going to give your phone up to those scumbags? Give me a break. Second of all, the the why would the league go through the trouble of smearing Brady, the, the signature star in the league? Why would they go through all this trouble to just smear him? And then the the kind of the, the combo of that is, and this is something I struggle with, frankly, is how did it get so far off the rails? Like what caused it? We talked about this a little bit in the group chat. Like, it never should have gotten even close to this far, but the league continued to go down this path of, as, as Mike on route one said, giving him the, the death penalty, the four game suspension for going five miles over the limit. At some point logic should have kicked in and, and any number of off ramps presented themselves and they just continued to go down this path. Like Tom Brady and the Patriots are, you know, pattern of behavior cheaters here and, and truly did smear in perpetuity the reputation of the greatest player in league history. I mean, that's, that's not a good result for a healthy league, yet that's where they landed. And, and I still, to this day, struggle a little bit, uh, a little bit with that. Like, you know, and, and, you know, you all probably want to jump in and, and give theories on that one, because I know we did talk about it on the, on the group text. And then the, you know, the last thing is, drives me crazy is all these other fans know in their heart Goodell and the league are a bunch of scumbag liars but then when it comes to the Patriots they believe everything that these guys say right I mean they, they, we've seen it with other teams we've seen it in uh, the way they're handling the the Washington football team stuff we've seen it in the way they handled the CTE litigation and the, the lies they're stuff, telling the, on the, that. The, the selective Gruden leaks right the, the Gruden stuff. I mean, every step of the way, the league behaves like a crime syndicate. And yet 31 other fan bases buy the shit they're selling on the Patriots. Drives me up a freaking wall. Anyway, just a, a few things that, that kick around in my head on this. The, I think the word, the phrase crime syndicate is an apt one here, Scartelli. Think about what happened with this Troy Vincent stuff. And I like John's analogy about they're they're driving that barreling down the highway. Troy Vincent can't drive 55, right? He's not looking for an on-ramp. 
he's careening into oncoming traffic with his foot on the pedal. What the league did with the Deflategate stuff after the AFC Championship game, the entire two weeks leading up to Super Bowl 49, the Patriots had to deal with that shit. And I thought the Patriots did a pretty good job. Bob Kraft was very happy to take a victory lap on the uh, the, the championship videos about, I got out in front of it. Brady, uh, Brady, <laughs> you know, Brady didn't look too great at his press conference, but Belichick did the Mona Lisa Vito stuff. And then they were, you know, proverbially on to Seattle at that point. Scartelli, the league put their thumb on the scale before 49, and that led to Troy Vincent making the call on the contested catches in the end zone in Super Bowl 52. I mean, that's it's not Donahue, but it ain't that far off, in my opinion. What say you? Oh, I think it's always a good idea to beta test new uh, possession rules during oh. the Super Bowl. It, it, it was, oh, it, 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 it defies defies uh, any sort of uh, description it but uh but the uh philly got their uh you know one uh one championship uh dynasty out of it and and we all found out that uh we all found out that uh philly fan can be as awful as uh as any other uh as any other fan base and water is wet this, illegal this, formation and illegal formation thank you oh, oh exactly but and uh this is what has me worried about uh, about the upcoming Super Bowl. I'm I'm worried that if I root for uh, if I root for the Bengals, they could turn out to be a you know horrible bunch of jerks. The uh, fan base there, if they manage to win, but we'll, we'll hold that to the end. But it uh, it was just just awful. The whole, I, as I recall, weren't uh, the announcers for forty nine? Weren't they saying the Patriots won? I guess for now, after after they. Uh, after they won the uh, after they won the game with the I don't know I, I looked him in the eyes and all that other nonsense. The Patriots are it, it down ruined, ten. It, Sorry, it ruined it ruined the game. It was it ruined it like uh, like Zolak was uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Patriots are down ten with eight minutes to go in Super Bowl Forty Nine against the best defense of that decade. I think inarguably at that point. And Chris Collinsworth starts pontificating about I looked Tom Brady in the eye. Sorry for the bad impersonation of California Bill impersonating Collinsworth. Mike and Route 1, it's uh, going back to the league, putting their thumb on the scales. I mean, it's, I mean, that is, that's the criminal stuff. And the 52 stuff just gets, it, it's never discussed outside of a row of chairs. Rarely, I should say. Yeah. I mean, they're making documentaries about a correctly applied rule um, yeah. 20 years ago and a rule that I actually don't hate. I, I never hated. I thought it was a pretty good rule because it removed, you know, 65 year old men from making judgment calls, but uh, that's neither here nor there, a correctly applied rule. And then like, can you, I know we do this. I know we do this all the time and you know, it's, but can you imagine if the Patriots had won the Super Bowl on a call <laughs> that the league changed, just, they just changed. <laughs> I mean, obviously that would never happen, but, <laughs> it would that be the, the we'd still it, it's unbelievable we would we would never have heard the end of it um and it's it's just crazy how that is allowed to happen and that snake troy vincent that phony bible thumper being involved in it is just Amen. perfect but that's the thing they've got these they've got a bunch of dumb guys in these leadership positions mike kensel like guys like that who's I don't know, he's probably in a, with the Uyghurs in some work camp now, I guess. But um, in China, he, isn't that where he, he gets shipped to China? I think. Isn't that where they sent Kensel? 
It's not far enough. I believe. I believe. Uh, but yeah, so it's just, just a lot of dumb guys. You know, Dean Blandino was the head of, you know, head of officiating. The, a Would you buy a used comedian. car off of Dean Blandino? Really? I'd buy, I'd buy a used car off Steve R before I'd buy one off Dean Blandino. <laughs> Oh, Set boy. it up. You know, <laughs> doesn't matter. He's not listening this far into the podcast at all. <laughs> you know, it's never not funny regarding Super Bowl 52. If I can try to find some crying comedy in that, Dan, there's a statue of Doug Peterson and Nick <laughs> Foles outside of whatever the, the name of the stadium yeah. is in South yeah. Philadelphia there. Uh, reverse mortgage field. <laughs> so. Rocky's gonna have to throw his motorcycle helmet at that at that statue. I think. Uh, at least he was a real guy this time, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. That's always nice. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Doug Peterson's hair is real, but that's nonetheless. Uh, good luck in Jacksonville, Doug. You're gonna yep. need it. Dan, your thought. Your thoughts on on the Vincent nonsense and his uh, low key fixing of 52. He was really trying to create the same. Uh, uh, the same uncertainty that that John Tomasi did in '42, right? Trying to, and and Belichick wasn't having any part of it. Good point. Uh, wrap it up here, uh, John, regarding uh, uh, the the truly a, a under the radar villain in Troy Vincent. He sucked as a Dolphin. He sucked worse in the front office of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you guys have hit it on on Vincent. Two other quick ones. The the fact that Aaron Rodgers was talking about how he likes the balls overinflated. Of course right? he does. The, 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 I mean, there's guys like the balls a certain way. I mean, that's what this, that's what this was about. Right. I mean, the point about the jets text and the, and the balls being overinflated. I mean, Brady wants the balls a certain way. McNally and just were in charge of making sure the balls were to Tom Brady's specs. <clears throat> there's never been any iota of proof that the, they purposefully took the balls below the legal limit. The league never properly checked for it before. They started checking for it afterwards and the data was expunged, right? Which proves the point that nothing untoward was happening with the balls, right? And, and yet they continued to go down this path despite numerous off-ramps to, to deflate the scandal, haha. And, you know, they, they ended up with this ridiculous... We're in this ridiculous parallel universe now where Tom Brady was accused of cheating for, for no reason whatsoever. And then the, the, the point you made, Mike, earlier about the CBA and the fact that the league and the, play, the players have ceded this level of authority to a, a scumbag like Roger Goodell. Like I would, I would gladly give up two years of NFL football for the players union to get this squared away and to get real legitimate due process uh, when it comes to punishments like this in the future, because it no nobody in any any sort of occupation should deal with this level of cowardice from management. Great point. Um, I think we I think we hit exactly what I wanted to hit regarding the Troy Vincent and the Super Bowl Forty Nine stuff. The Super Bowl Forty Nine victory, with the benefit of hindsight, is even more impressive. It was a really good Seattle team they beat, and they sent. That's the, the entire Seahawk franchise went into a tailspin after that. And I was in the in the car today, and they still point to that as the line of demarcation. The Seahawks win that game, they win three Super Bowls in a row. Easier said than done, but it's it's it still makes my my dark heart warm. Um, last question regarding Deflategate, I think, and I'll hit you with it, Dan. With the benefit of hindsight, 
is Bob Kraft an even bigger pussy than I thought in not going after this? I mean, it's 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 it really makes me angry. I was angry at the time. I think I'm angrier now at that doddering old that doddering old fool who wanted to stop the frigging rhetoric. At the time, I I could see where he was coming from a little bit because you're, you're he's forced into a position of sort of suing himself, you know, just by the legalities of being part of that elite club. But you, you still get angry. He just he needs so desperately to be liked by these guys. He wants to be at their table and they're all joking about him behind his back. Well, not even behind his back. That's right out front. And he, and he still comes back up to take some more. You know, I was thinking one of the thing with that John just said, the joke's on Rogers because he gets them pumped up to like 16 PSI, but then Lambo brings it down below regulation anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yes. Aaron, Aaron, ignoring the science of uh, this breaking news. It was kind of an early <laughs> harbinger. Uh, John, John, go ahead. Yeah. One very quick one on this. Look, it's, you talked about craft and I've always been very disappointed at how craft rolled over on this and didn't stand by Brady all the way to the end. And, and, you know, we've got receipts for other people as well um, who, who bailed on the, on the truth and, and bailed on justice on this, but craft should have been a lot stronger. He wasn't um, he's a go along to get along kind of guy in that clubby little, you know, scumbag universe of NFL owners. I will say this, it makes me want to start my own little Al Davis appreciation society for the stuff he was pulling. Uh, you know, when he was going toe to toe with the league, the amount of courage that that showed uh, for him to do that. I've got more respect for him now than I ever did when we were kids. And it's important to me that everybody who listens to this podcast knows that Al Davis was born in Brockton. That's all I'm going to say. You, you beat me to it. I should have known <laughs> that you have, you would have had that. I think all of us here, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably saw the ESPN 30 for 30, the two bills. And before I throw it to you, Mike, Bob Kraft says in that video regarding uh, the Jets poaching Parcells and the Patriots after Super Bowl 31, he says that, and I'm paraphrasing this, and I wish I had the audio queued up, and maybe I'll put it in as this week's Easter egg, is that he discovered in 1997, mind you, that the league office was not as pure as he thought regarding uh, matters regarding the Patriots, particularly the Jets. The 345 Park Avenue might as well be Hempstead, New York. It's basically Jets headquarters west. Um, I mean, full full Bob Kraft once, shame on you, or shame on the other party. Kraft got fooled twice, Mike. And in, in neither case did he, f- he actually fought a little bit harder as a younger man for the draft picks and holding out with, uh, with, with uh, Parcells. But this was just, mind-boggling the, the needy craft just capitulating uh to his fellow owners and goodell yeah i mean i think i think he is needy that's clearly his um part of his character i guess my um anger at him has subsided since the, the that time because i'm wondering what um what to what end i guess and it, it's kind of like I don't know. I, I I don't have a very good comparison. I guess I thought I did, but I'm not going to go there. But the 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 to what end is he supposed to completely undermine his power within the league? And I think that does. And he does he does wield power despite the fact that they laugh at him behind his back, and um, he'll never sit at the uh, at the the table with the good Irish boys. Um, and but what 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 is what would what was he? How far was he supposed to go? He, they went pretty far. 
I think he was poorly served by his by the people around him um, because I didn't think they they mounted credible defenses. Having I, the Wells report in context had Jonathan uh, Jonathan's fingerprints all over it, in my opinion. Um, and well, that I, was I, a little bit embarrassing. It wasn't it wasn't great. And that's it's the same thing with the, the excuses. Like it just does not. Oh, they're in a weight loss contest. Like stop with the bullshit. Like it just it, I, I just don't think these are people that are thinking around him that are thinking strategically about how to navigate this. And it was a it was a poorly handled uh, crisis. But where was he? Where was he going? Wh- where was he going with where was he supposed to go with this? I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know what what the end game was. Um I would have liked yeah, I, my reaction always is, you know, in, in politics, you want your guy to go scorch earth and go Hank Scorpio with the, um, you know, the flamethrower on people, but like, <laughs> okay. And then what? And then you're, and then you have zero power going forward. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it, a lot of bad, not, not a lot of great options for craft. Uh, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I would like to point out that the league hired uh, the firm exponent to conduct their tests regarding uh, the quote-unquote deflated footballs before I throw it to you, Gan. Uh, Exponent also was hired. Uh, they argued for big tobacco, arguing that secondhand smoke did not cause cancer. So you, if you if the check clears, um, just like Brady showing up for an ad, he'll get, he can show up for the opening of a wound or to come to any conclusion you want to. Uh, Dan, your thoughts regarding, you know, the re- my bitterness regarding Crafty Bob? Um. There's no, there's no excuse. I mean, he, he should have stood up. Um, I want to go back to some, to um, what Mike was saying about the text. He's right. There's, there's some things that you just can't explain what was on there. And, but, it, but by the same token, I don't know what they meant by Dorito day. You know, it's like, you're, you're saying, oh, well, he said deflator, 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 but it's not like that other one is, you know, sweeping the nation. Nobody's going around calling other people Dorito dinks. Um, and I would have liked to have seen some context around it. You know, wasn't that deflator one? Wasn't that from like the middle of May or something? That, that, no, that deflate, wasn't deflator Green Bay. Oh, that was Green Bay. Yes. Okay. So it was the one. There was one that was like in the middle. May of the was ESPN. Like- it was. I'm not going to ESPN yet, which I think undermines the fact that there. This was like, uh, you know, it seems to me they're alleging it started in in in, in October Jets, but the okay. ESPN one is is um is, is May. So w- what does that mean? I, I just yeah. It, yeah. It's a very shitty. They they just want a shotgun approach. Anything that looks suspect, blasted out there, right? Right. Right. It, I would have liked to have seen some of the context around it. What, what did he say before the deflator text? What did he say after the deflator text? No, it was just this one taken out of context. But regardless, though, they're knuckleheads. They, they didn't do anything to help the cause. What has I, wonder leaning- uh, I wonder if they're going to find them when they do the uh, renovations at uh, the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and just to, just to you know, finish some thoughts here, just uh, I think the phrase that pays with regard to Bob is, you know, who's the schmuck now? Oh. With regard to how he handled that. Right. The man in the mirror is the schmuck now. Um, the, the thing I was going to say sorry. is that yes, what, what has me leaning back the other way is how much they lied through the entire process, how much the league lied. Um, mm-hmm. Bruce Allen did his piece where he, what was it? Something like he amassed like 52 or 53 lies that Goodell and the others said through that whole process. It's too bad he was he couldn't get like the 57, like John Iceland from uh, Manchurian <laughs> Candidate. Um, Woo, that's 60. That's really reaching back, right? Yeah. Check. 
but, but, you know, if they had the goods on Brady, if they had the goods from the text, if they had the goods from the bathroom break from the ref's shoddy memory, why, um, why did they need to leak the numbers to Mortensen, Peter King and, and the referee, Jerry Austin? They did that too. Um, why did they tell Brady and they didn't need his phone, but then punish him after he destroyed it? Uh, uh, why did they lie? So, oh, remember on the report, they had the, the two pictures of the gauges side by side, but it wasn't one picture showing them. It was two separate ones. And they blew up the second one by like 17% and they cinched it up on the, on the measuring tape and, and they turned it so you couldn't see that the needle was curved, you know, very, very much more than the bend, very much more than the other gauge. Why, why the need to lie so much if they had the goods? It's a, that's a good but point. That's what they do, right? Isn't that like the Larry, isn't that the Larry Lucina? We're, we're, I forget what law firm Larry Lucina was in, but isn't that like kind of like their core um, philosophy? Like it's not, it's just not enough to win. You just have to, you have to destroy them. Like that, that is, I, that's, that's absolutely, it's absolutely part of their plan. It, it's to lie. And it was, it does not matter. It does not matter. I, and I, well, that is, uh, Jeff Pash is the biggest fucking scumbag in that league. And that's absolutely, an absolutely <laughs> the biggest loser out of them all. And he's a fucking asshole. And I will dance on his piss on his grave. And that is a promise. I, he's, he's the worst one out of them, I think. That nation the round of applause. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Well, yeah. And, and going back to Dan, remind me, they lied about what Brady said. Goodell lied about what Brady said. I mean, get, get, you've got the specifics on that. Get, get it verbatim, because I bet you can. Well, the, one of the things that they lied about that he said was that he wanted to have, oh God. Sorry to put you on the he spot. Didn't, he didn't want to have the results uh, um, revealed, but it was, what, but it was um, of, or his testimony revealed, but yep. it was Goodell that didn't want to have the testimony revealed. That exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brady wanted, he said he wanted his testimony revealed. And yep. the league said he didn't want his testimony revealed. So, I mean, and that came out, that came out what, in, the, in the arbitration process, I think. Right. So, so, you know, it's like they, they lie about everything. They lied about this from point A to point Z. They lie about CTE. They're lying to the, the people that are involved in litigating against the Redskins in the, in the report, the, the current situation with the report. They're going to lie Comics. about the next thing. They, they butchered the Ray Rice um, suspension and the, the punishment around that. I mean, they just, the, every single thing they touch, now they're talking about putting a Super Bowl in London. I mean, every single thing they touch, they fuck up at the expense of the fans and, and other teams. So if you believe that they, they are, you know, unfixable liars on everything you yeah. ought to believe they're unfixable liars when it comes to the patriots the the league has like three tactics for this they'll lie they'll stall until like the next uh, um scandal will replace the current one or they move the uh, uh they move the goalposts you know the ray rice one's a great example of like it once the second video came out it, it wasn't a matter of like, oh, the second video came out. It was a matter of, well, has Roger seen the second video? And that they they so deftly handled that to get past that. Yeah. But it's like, why does that even matter? That it was it was bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know, and the complicity of league media. Look, to your point, Mike. Yes, that's going to be my next point, John. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I'll just tip, tee it off then, to, you know, to Mike on Route One's point the the Jeff Pash I mean at the expense of losing Jeff Pash as a as a primary source nobody is going to do serious journalism on any of this 
they're all just going to be Burt Breer and and sucking at the teeth of scumbags like Jeff Pash. I mean, that's how they're that's how they're doing well, their job. To answer the question, John, the answer is yes. They're going yeah. to suck at the. Did you notice the scumbag. vigorous follow up to to Ben Volan yesterday? Like in, in a real world, these these journalists would walk out. They they would walk out and say, mm-hmm. "Leave it in the sand." Like there's no follow up. It's just they, they don't. They're not built that way. I didn't have to face the heavy hitters that Belichick had to face. (laughs) The Today Show. (laughs) Lester Holt coming in. I I hope Hoder and Kathy Lee were kind to them. Anyway, it goes back. It has me thinking about, we talk, well, I talk a lot about the useless profession. Think about the heavy heavy hitters in Breer and Rappaport, Mike Silver, and these useful idiots on the NFL. Like like Peter Schrager and, and all those morons. Robert Duvall played two characters that kind of kind of capitalized on this. Think about Max Mercy, the yeah. scumbag reporter in The Natural. And then Hagen says, well, we have a new p- p- newspaper men in the press who can put out our message. That's exactly what the NFL did in, to, to Brady yeah. and to the Patriots and the Chris Mortenses of the world. It's scummy. It's, it's you know, Florio's is, I guess, scum ex- exposing scum. But I mean, do the math. I mean, Mike, Mike on Route One. Both things can be true. They may have done something after they got screwed. Uh, Brady and Jastrzemski uh, McNally may have done something to screw with the footballs after uh, that Jets game, and they're overinflated. But I would always come back to everything came within um, the bounds of uh, the, the ideal gas law. So um, I think that's good on Deflategate. We talked. We might get thirty minutes of it. I think we got closer to forty-five out of it. Um, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw this hot potato to you. Uh, do you think Mina Kimes should be the next general manager of the New England Patriots? And why is the answer or, yes? And, and sh- or should <laughs> and should Greg Bedard be the coach? What is this, right. John? John, seriously, what is this fascination with these media types doing reach arounds of one another uh, on their, their 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 big football brains and acumen? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to approach this from a different angle, um, maybe kind of sliding the, the chair out of the row, but, but putting it in, in, a, in a different row. Um, and I'm going to steal a line from Mike on route one from a moment ago, a bunch of dumb guys in these positions. And you mentioned Kensel and Baghdad Glendino, for example. So that's in the league. And then we just talked about the journalists and we could talk about the, the Rappaports and Mr. Editor Schefter and those guys, or we could talk about the bloviating idiots on the talking head shows on ESPN and, and Fox and the like. And the, she fits in great. Like it, it is a bunch of dumb guys, none of whom really should have much respect or authority on just about anything. And the idea that Mina Kimes doesn't deserve to be next to, I don't know, Max Kellerman or Stephen A. Smith or Colin Cowherd. I mean, Anybody can do that job. It is not really hard. You know, she seems to be a, a decent writer. I understand she wrote a really good Tumblr piece um, years ago. And, you know, and, and here we are, right? Tumblr segued into being a talking head on ESPN. And I mean, it's kind of indicative of, of how I think anybody should view those jobs. Like anybody can be Max Kellerman. You just have to kind of check logic and, and just put that part of your brain on idle and just say crazy, stupid shit that the producers and the writers are scripting for you show by show. And 
off you go. So like people, people dunk on Mina because she's, I don't know what, she, she doesn't know a lot about football. Well, neither is Max Kellerman, right? I mean, is she, is she a harder worker than Max Kellerman? Sure. Well, like, why not? You know, is she a better writer than Ben Volan? She very well probably is right. You know, I mean, it's, I, I don't really have a problem with her because she fits in perfectly in like the most vapid industry in the world. Mina Kimes wrote something interesting on Tumblr. I had no clue. I will say that for incompetent people doing NFL jobs, that was a really John nice. Was, John was doing research on Tumblr, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think for, as for incompetent general managers, that was a low-key shout out to Upton Bell. So well done there. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on, on big football brains uh, in the media? Yeah, I actually, I, I don't necessarily disagree with, with John at all because my gripe is with the white knights and I, and I say white knights and I don't, and I, that's usually kind of a disparaging term. I just, can we not be thirsty weirdos on Twitter? I guess that's my, that's my, that's my request. And I think that's a lot of what it is. She, John is right. She is like, there are a lot of like mediocre people and there's zero bar to entry to this industry and simply showing up and doing the work gets you, uh, gets you promoted to this, to this level. You know, the idea that she could work for an NFL team is just, I think is ridiculous, but, um, you know, maybe someone would give her a chance. I don't know. So then I'd, I'd be wrong. Uh, but it, it is. Uh, Mike, let me cut you off there. What's the yeah. practice the Patriots make their coaches do? What is that called? The padding, padding. Yes. And we, I, I've been, you know, I've been meaning to bring this up for months. That's one of the things when we talk about the, the coaching thing, you know, Bill Belichick's job is not to make great head coaches. It's to make great assistant coaches. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Mina Kimes is padding anything. I don't think anybody on the Patri- anybody on the Patriots beat is would know how to pad a play. There's no way they would know how to sketch out everything, tell you what everything everybody was like. There's just no way. And uh, yeah, um, so yeah, my, my gripe is really with the people that pretend that she is something different than um, other good people, quote unquote, good people that are have made it to that level in the media, and she isn't. And, and stop being thirsty weirdos. That, that, that's 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 it. That's my take. Scartelli, I'm going to put you on on the spot here. You have you have to fill a spot for the football columnist at the 15net.com. That's been open, unfortunately, since September. But the, the I, internet, the, the national. We had a good run. He, we had, he was like Will McDonough there for two weeks. <laughs> well, the orientation was a bitch, so we have to apologize. We're working on our orientation. Scartzi, you have three resumes to fill the 15net.com football columnist. You get one from Ben Volan. You get one from Greg Bedard. Obviously, it would be a nice race for Greg Bedard with his position at the 15net.com. And you get one from Mina Kimes. Which one are you picking up first? Oh, I think I'd have to go with Mina. I think because she's... Because uh, you're a she, thirsty weirdo or just she's the most competent <laughs> out of the bunch? I, I think if I'm going just strictly on, you know, perceived competence, I'm going to have to, you know, she understands that there are things called analytics. So that, that puts her up uh, more on the other two, I think. And Volans is in crayon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I think it very well might be. It's on uh, it's on Miami Dolphins stationery, which is, <laughs> which would be another uh, another you know another check against it, I suppose. But uh, I think I think the the media media peoples see that uh, see that coaches and GMs get fired every year, 
And it leads them to believe that anyone can do the job instead of taking the other attack that it's a very difficult job to do, which is why people get fired at it all the time. I think about the hours that the, the people in the, the industry put you, the, the legendary stories of coaches sleeping on couches and staying in the facilities. And I'm thinking, um, Greg Bedard, there's a real go-getter with upper management potential. The splendor in that office would be everywhere. We'd take the time to clean it up. Uh, Dan, the meat, the media, the overinflated self-worth of these media types and thinking that they can do the job better. It's, it's like, you know, but someone who can do stitches, can't do open heart surgery. Um, really, really ham handed reference there. It's timely. Well done. Uh, Dan, find your thoughts on this. You remember when Simmons wanted to get the uh, Timberwolves GM job? Yes. Yeah. I was, pr- I was Great praying point. for that. Cause I just yeah. wanted to see him fail so badly at that, but <laughs> yeah, they, it's covering the game. Watching the game does not qualify you for running a team. Um, but you know, that as, as some of the things that you guys were saying, uh, Mike, I, Mike host, Mike, not Mike on route one. I, I love that, that Ben Volan's getting all this uh, collateral uh, fire <laughs> kind of melts, melts my heart. I think of Ryan, <laughs> I think of Ryan Grigson getting a front uh, Vikings front office job mm-hmm. for uh, Mina and, and Greg Bedard sitting by the phone. Yeah. But, but going back to something else that Mike on route one said, the white knights are the sexist. They're yeah. the ones yes. that see her yep. as the poor, fragile little flower that needs yep. defending. Um, the ones that are attacking her are the ones that respect her, to say that she can fight her own battles. Yep. Great point. I, I think there's something there's something very important to that. There there are the thirsty weirdo white knights who are defending her at every at every you know every bad take. You know the the Jimmy G one was probably the one that brought her kind of to the forefront most recently. And you know I mean to to Scarcy's point. It's hard being a head coach in the NFL. It's hard playing quarterback in the NFL. And nobody really thinks anything when, you know, when a, when a toad like Ben Volan, you know, dings the performance of an NFL quarterback. But if, if Mina Kimes dings the performance of an NFL quarterback, it's either like she gets the sexist, you know, the, the truly sexist bad commentary, right? Mm-hmm. Or she ought to be measured on is that a good take or not you know people will dunk on volan all the time for the stupid things he says and yeah, his and content says, sucks right yeah and, and you know his content sucks and most of what he says sucks and deserves to be dunked on she's in the same business she's out there spewing takes on these shows every single day she's gonna say stupid things she ought to get dunked on for those things because that's what they get paid to do that's why people watch the shows to get pissed off right so you get pissed off, you hear dumb takes, you dunk on those takes, you put it on social media. It happens to the mail writers all the time. I'm sure like in, in, a, in a perfect world, the, the female writers want that same sort of treatment. They're, they're allowed, just like Ben Volan, who has no athleticism whatsoever based on his Cal Cheney boob pick, right? You know, just like <laughs> Ben, ben Volan has less athleticism than Mina Kynes, right? So, so if, if Ben Volan can dunk on Jimmy G's quarterback performance, Mina Kynes can too, right? But yeah. she's got she's to take the incoming and the, the thirsty weirdos on Twitter that defend everything she says. They are, they are the real problem. Yeah, John, to, to your point too, um, I, I was um, listening today to a conversation about the, and, and Iron, I'm sure you, you've known about this out in Seattle, the Marissa Ignimi, story right and and someone was talking about um someone who shall remain nameless who hosts the podcast was talking about how jackie (laughs) mcmullen had it way harder 
in the 80s than these some of these people do today and the balls that sorry <laughs> <laughs> that she is seriously though like and, and we, we, we i've shit on her a lot for a lot of for the kobe stuff and for the um the dark again days. that's deserved but your the dark you make is yes. valid but it, it takes some it takes some balls to work in that industry in the 80s and to do it without you know taking it the way she did so you know, hats off to uh to jackie the jtc one of the greats yeah um, i think to although wrap- although although <laughs> let's not forget where she stood on deflate gate she was uh, yes no i mean she, she's she's contemptible she's a globy I mean, john great she's job a globy. Yeah. all right i just want to make sure we're all clear. no like, she's terrible i mean prop, props to her in the 70s when she was you know when she was nine to five jane fonda and all that shit but <laughs> you know here we are right all right there we go i think to to wrap up this segment uh, Mina Kimes does not offend us because she's a woman. No, it offends me as a comedian. <laughs> and that goes double for Ben Volan. So thank you a lot <laughs> on that. Uh, let's go to the entitled town at gmail.com email. Uh, okay. As e- a nurse, email. this costume offends me. Oh, I guess we're cycling through the yarns there. I guess the costume does offend me. Uh, we have six emails this week. We did the first one earlier. Old friend Claude 45. I'm going to leave uh, half of the emails are from Vinny. Vinny, thank you very much. Um, our old friend, old board friend, Fijis, it's an old board uh, palooza on this, the 99th episode of Entitled Town. Uh, Fijis wants to point out that Tom Brady's retirement, he's not the GOAT because Ric Flair still has nine more world championships <laughs> than Tom Brady. Uh, let's throw this one at uh, my, uh, Sean McVay's second biggest fan behind Peter Schrager, Mike on Route 1. Vinny wants to know, he feels that Sean McVay is a bad situational coach. Is he wrong? He keeps getting his impressions. His teams don't respond well to pressure and he doesn't adapt. What do you think? Yeah. Is that situational? I don't know if that's situational. Is that, is that situational? Maybe. Well, you had mentioned recently that he had a deer in the headlights. Is yes. That in the no, Tampa totally. Game? I just, I, I don't know if that's situational football. That's like, that's like, that's a separate thing. That's like, oh, we, that situational football is like, oh, we prepared for this situation. You know, uh, coaching with his hands around his neck in Tampa, um, you know, that that to me felt that's not situational football. That's I think I think uh, yeah, I I just think I just think there he's a young coach and, you know, there are things that he'll learn. So, yeah, I, I, you know, he he's he annoyed me uh, in that um, NFC championship game. And so did uh, Aaron Donald. So I'm kind of going in. Kosh, I, I don't really know where I'm going to land on Sunday. I'll I'll figure out who I'm rooting for as the game starts, I guess. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I, I think he's I think he's a pretty good coach. He's a young guy, you know. Bill Belichick wasn't ready to be a coach at 30, what seven? Right, in, in like Cleveland, that, yeah. right. So it sounds like you're leaning who day um, to start. Uh, before we get to the anchor email, and Vinny sent in a, a what I think is going to be a really interesting subject for us to throw back and forth. Uh, old Fred Garrett said in an email, and he makes a great point here. Garrett, thank you for the email. Lost in the madness of Brady's retirement. Let's not forget how much of a giant fuckhead Jake in Boston is. Also, <laughs> also 40 fucking streaming services and not one carries WKRP in Cincinnati and forget <laughs> it about the new WKRP in Cincinnati. So uh, if anyone oh. knows can help out Garrett regarding WKRP in Cincinnati, um, he wants to watch a turkey episode, the turkey drop episode. Well, the turkey drops on YouTube. I mean, that's a that's a staple of uh, Thanksgiving related viewing. So, and highly it, recommend that. And it also holds true for any. Time. <laughs> that was me fashioning a noose, by the way. 
and, and it holds true for any time Ben Volan gets on a plane. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Uh, before we get to the anchor email for Vinny, um, his second to last email is that he rewatched Super Bowl 36, probably as a lot of us did recently. And we will do the Super Bowl 36 appreciation podcast uh, next week. You have my word on that. Um, if Vinny was shocked to learn this was the only game that John Madden and Pat Summerall called together, I would argue is the ghost of Pat Summerall that called that game. But uh, he loved the duo, despite them being before his time. Uh, what made Summerall so good? He loved his cadence, his utter professionalism. When the kick sailed through the uprights, there wasn't any force to the motion, probably because it was a weekend of Bernie's thing, but he played it straight and let the moment speak for itself. He did. The call was understated, and it's right down the pipe. But, uh, John, I think the soundtrack of our youth was the uh, the late games, the, the Giants playing yeah. the late game in the Meadowlands. Madden and Summerall were truly terrific. Stumber, Summerall's understated elegance in his prime and Madden's uh, knowledgeable exuberance in his prime. It really was kind of the GOAT announcing team of our youth. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was, they were wonderful. I'm so wistful of that era's broadcasters. You know, we grew up, and I know we were talking about this on the group text the other day. We grew up with such wonderful broadcasters in Boston. I mean, Fred Cusick doing hockey. I mean, just like in heaven, like all you're doing is listening to Fred Cusick, Ned Martin, I love Ned Martin, um, Gil Santos doing Patriots games because they weren't on TV a lot when we were kids. Um, you know, is it, and of course, you know, that Johnny most was a hoot with the Celtics. So like we had just such great, great announcers when we were kids and most wasn't understated certainly, but I did enjoy the, the, you know, the way Fred Cusick, uh, carried carried his business and Ned Martin and just that they let the game breathe you know and I think that's what I'm missing with these guys I mean Zolak stepping over calls like legendary calls you know yeah. Zolak's you know intruding intruding into the moment right and and to me those moments should speak for themselves Summerall did a wonderful job of letting that letting that that whole drive letting that drive breathe on its own and, and the, the great crescendo at the end with Vinatieri's kick and the way he just kind of, you know, was so subtle about it. And, and the, it, the drama is accentuated when you let the play do the talking as opposed to like, let's say a Gus Johnson who, Oh God. Know, yes. You know, and I know that's a trigger for you, Mike, yes. but you know, Gus Johnson who like, you know, there's a, a dunk in the, you know, six minutes to go in the first quarter and it's like, you know, the roof is blown off. It's like, come on, Gus, like, let the game, let the game kind of evolve a bit, you know? So, so those guys back in that era. God, um, Gus Johnson, you can't be Michael Buffer for four goddamn quarters. Yeah. It's exhausting yeah. to listen to Gus Johnson. Yeah, it Scar is. It is. Scartelli, yeah. your thoughts on the Summerall Madden pairing and, and your enjoyment level of them calling. That was their final game together, Super Bowl 36. Your yeah. thoughts on that? It was. This is the first time hearing about that. <laughs> Big if true. Big if no, true. no, no. But I was, I was very upset with the whole understatedness of the end of that game for a good long amount of time. But uh, you know, rewatching it, I, I realized that uh, it, it actually works. To be truthful, so I, I, I forgive. I forgive Pat. <laughs> Our buddy Bruce Allen actually pointed out that Ke uh, not excuse me, not Kevin Harlan. I can't remember. Howard David on the national call actually nailed that call as well. It's a really uh, good call. Yeah. yeah go oh, ahead, yeah. Mike. Everyone involved did a great job. The, uh, 
all, all the announcers in all, all the formats. I just thank God that Zola really, like that's call yeah. That. Is there the, all three calls are great. All three calls are great. Legendary. Um, John, uh, you know, I, I think your point about letting it, the moment breathe is really good. And, um, you know, you mentioned guys, you know, Ned Martin, one of the great calls. I think it's Yaz's 3000s hit where he's like, and all oh. hell breaks loose at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Now listen and watch. And he shuts mm-hmm. the, the hell up. You know, he does mm-hmm. that. Um, Summerall, you know, Aikman, Irvin, touchdown Cowboys. Boom. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there will be no three feet. That's it. And even Michaels, I think my, I, I hate the 49 call, but Michaels um, was great when he was younger at letting moments breathe, you know, um, down and going back, uh, mm. you know, deep to left. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good one. Then he says like, then he says like unbelievable. And then he says second and um, second only to Fisk in the minds of New England. Great, great calls. Just yeah. great calls. And these guys yeah. and these guys today cannot do it. Even like Nance who annoys me to all end, but he's competent, very competent compared to, I think a lot of them, um, which says, says a lot, but like, they just can't shut up. It's unbelievable. Um, but some are all in Madden. They, they were, they were, they were so great. They were so great. And you're right. It was very much a, um, a, a CBS, um, you know, sun, late Sunday game uh, kind of thing. And, and we don't have those kind of announcements anymore. And that, and that sucks. And I don't think it's us just being, um, you know, 40 year old reference kind of people in, in saying that. And I think it's just the way that maybe they came up. Yeah. Um, you know, th- these are guys, you know, two guys that played uh, or coached and played. Um, so yeah, it's just a different, a different time. And they're not, or it could just be that uh, they're, they weren't trying to get the, uh, you know, the, the sound bite on uh, yeah. ESPN or, you know, yeah. onto, onto Twitter for the, you know, that yeah. 15 second clip kind of thing. Yeah. Ned, Ned Martin, Ned Martin was, uh, was wounded on Iwo Jima. So, you know, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> yeah. care about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tony Romo was approaching uh, Gus Johnson levels of unlisten, unlistenability yep. to me. I would add uh, throwing uh, Summerall's the goat before I throw it to you, Dan, but I think that Summerall's uh, baseball doppelganger is of course Vince Scully and the, mm-hmm. one of the great calls of a game I had no, no rooting interest in I guess outside of the A's getting humiliated in 1988 is um, Scully calling Gibson's walk-off homer just she is gone and then there's silence and they just the crowd losing their minds and panning shots through Dodger Stadium one of my favorite shots of all time when that ball's halfway in the air to right field you can see a car pulling pulling out of the Dodger Stadium parking <laughs> yeah. lot, and the brake lights go on. It's like yeah. good call, dipshit. Well done. Yeah. Well, that was and, that was Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that is consistent with the Wahlbergs in the '80s, causing hell and stealing things and making bad decisions. So, uh, Dan, your thoughts on on Summerall and Madden? Now I'm just going to be repeating the same things. I mean, I love what John said about the broadcasters that we grew up with uh, nationally too. I mean, there was this inherent understanding that they were supplemental to the action on the field. Very good. That's a great point. I, I'd also like to throw um, uh, some verbal bouquets because I thought they, they weren't Madden and Summerall, but they weren't bad. Uh, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson were also very, uh, very good. Iron. I, I was going to mention that uh, anyone, anybody else hear a great call. I, and I think it's the, an, an incredibly underrated call is it got called back um, Notre Dame, um, Colorado for the national oh. title in the orange bowl. Yep. The, the Ishmael return is it got called back. It's yep. the greatest call I've ever, I mean, it's like 
yeah, I, I like I like Vern Vern Blomquist doing the kick six. I think that's a wonderful call. Mm-hmm. The, the the Ishmael return is an unbelievable call. So Amen. good, so good. Vern Lundquist you know, is another one I would argue yeah. might be yeah. on my Mount Rushmore really great. natural announces. Yeah, I like. Him. You know, another one I want to mention that I know Iron had loved was Dick Stockton. He loved. Oh Dick God, God, Dick <laughs> Stockboy, Jesus God. <laughs> every 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 fucking lakers celtics game but keep in mind never forget it's on the screen dick we can see that the celtics have four fouls this quarter for the love of god shut up and let heinzen speak yeah but 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 the rockets want to know what hit him (laughs) great call uh good point the this is the question of the week and this this might this edition of entitled town might lead up right up until kickoff we might might as well put this on twitch at this point (laughs) Uh, this is Vinny. You've been sending some, some fire emails and, uh, this is right up with the, some of the best of them. I didn't know initially if this was preposterous or brilliant in the consensus in the group that it, it indeed was brilliant. And I will throw this first to Mike, because I think this is something that you, that you and I could probably have debated back in the day for hours and insulted each other ad nauseum until we were laughing at each other. Do you mean do you mean stupid and uh, ridiculous hypothetical uh, sports debates? Yes. So yes, uh, we're yeah. we're in the California Bill part of the podcast yeah. now. Yeah. Um, Vinny's proposal is if you could trade a Brady era era Super Bowl for either one in the past, say nineteen seventy six, or one in the future, you can see the seventy six Patriots win a title and enjoy the America's Game documentary on a team featuring Grogan Nelson and Russ Francis, or you can see Mac Jones shove it up Patriots haters' asses. And potentially kick off a new dynasty. Uh, would you a Would you trade one, and b uh, Would you do it for the past or for the future? Um, so, you know, kind of the thing, the inherent problem with time travel movies is that you have to kind of explain the rules. So I, I'm kind of confused about not confused, but I have to establish the rules. So, if the Patriots don't beat the Eagles in in 39, do I have to live those years? I have to live those years all over again with them only having two Super Bowls. And then they win the same amount, you know, that would be pretty cool actually. Um, and then, you know, then they get to, they get to five, um, you know, they get to five that way. And then I get a future one. So I, I don't know. It, it's a tough question. And I, my, my, I tend to, I, I need one. I need another one. Like uh, I'm not going to be happy um, if they don't get another one, if Belichick doesn't get another one. So I would absolutely trade. I, I think I'm, I'm, I've concluded I would trade 2018 for next year Belichick retires. I, w- I would trade that. No question. You trade the mopey Tommy or John, would you yes. trade a past America's game? Would you trade one for a past America's game and or a future America's game? And which one would it be? You, you know, it's funny. I was thinking when I, when I saw this question, I was thinking of Dak. Of course you were. Go ahead. Yes. You have a little soundtrack here. Which America's and, game do you want? And I'm going to get choked up. Good Lord. Don't play that music. Of, I was thinking of that. I was thinking of that 76 team and yep. the whole Ben Dreith bullshit. And you know, he had season tickets and he went with all of his buddies and they were so into those, that era of Patriots football. And, you know, he's still to this day upset about that loss. So like, and I think about uh, all those Red Sox fans, right. Who, you know, obviously the Red Sox have won, you know, their world series is the century, but that long, long stretch with no world series is, and, you know, the 67 team or the, 75 or uh, 78, of course, losing the Yankees in the one game playoff in 86. And it's like, it, it's kind of the same sort of like, I wish that generation maybe got one, you know, I, I we've, we've had this embarrassment of riches over the last 20 years with, 
you know, all four franchises winning championships, the Patriots winning six, the Red Sox winning four. I mean, yet there was that long stretch outside of the Celtics where, uh, you know, the Bruins got their cups in what the seventies, um, you know, the, the Red Sox and the Pats, like that, that 76 team was a really good team, you know, and Steve Grogan, I love Steve Grogan. Like yeah. I loved Steve Grogan. So I could, I could definitely wrap my head around the 76 team getting a Super Bowl, but I, I do like what Mike one said. I love the idea of Matt getting one Belichick retiring, riding off into the sunset. I, I think that would be, I could, I could get down for that. No doubt. Scartsy, any opinion? I've got uh, yeah. I could definitely see myself trading uh, 18 for 85. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just the bears, <laughs> are, the bears are on the missing rings portion of. Oh, the, exactly. And yeah, think amen. about this. Ditka is not Ditka without that uh, Super Bowl. Buddy Ryan, no, sir. He doesn't get the uh, head coaching job somewhere. So his idiot sons aren't uh, working in the league. <laughs> that's, a real, that's a butterfly. That's a real butterfly. Yeah, they're working in the league really office. Is. That's yeah. a real sliding door moment. Yeah, they're at 345 Park. Oh, and right think now. of it. This was, they were out uh, that that Patriots team was, you know, 10th in the league in offense. They could have scored points, I think. It's, it's one of those great uh, what ifs. If, uh, if, you know, Eason doesn't go all turtly footsteps. And if Lynn Dawson doesn't get hurt. They, right. oh, yeah. Lynn Dawson. Patriots. they could not stop the Patriots when Lynn Dawson was healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to point out that Eason hit Morgan in the hands on that yep. first series in the end zone, but the ball was tipped by God. If it, it, it probably wasn't Jeff Fisher, but let's just pretend it wasn't Jeff Fisher. It was another Chicago safety. I'm sorry, Scott. I stepped on you. Oh, no. That, Gary, that was that's where I'm, I'm sure I was oh, going. I, like I, I had a joke. Gary, Gary Fencing. Not taking it. <laughs> All right, uh, Dan. Dan, your thoughts on uh, what, what would you would you trade one? Why does it have to be before or after? Let's like, can I trade uh, thirty nine for forty two? Make yeah. the rules the way you want. Absolutely, I trade. I trade absolutely forty. Please give us forty two. Yeah, um, oh. you may need it, to go with two for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's good. I hate that I know that Dave, Dave, the co-founder of the pod, Dave, is listening to this, twirling his mustache and laughing. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Dave, sick humble bragging is always up yours. Um, so that's that's. Uh, let's go to final thoughts, Vinny. Thank you for those emails. Uh, good discussion points. Uh, let's start final thoughts with uh, Mr. Scartelli in mortgage-free Western Mass. Mr. Scartelli. Okay. Well, this week we've got uh, three events that uh, that occurred. One, it was uh, composer John Williams's birthday, and uh, he's done all sorts of things. Uh, you know all his work, and also the uh, Oscars nominations were brought out this week. At the Oscars ceremony, um, oftentimes they'll use uh, John Williams' theme from Jurassic Park to uh, play the people off that have, you know, stayed on the stage too long during their acceptance <laughs> speech. You know, the whole da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da when they've gone on thanking everybody that they've, you know, ever met in the world. And also, it's the uh, 10th anniversary of the NFL uh, and the NFL media desperately trying to play the Patriots off the stage after Super Bowl uh, 46. <laughs> That's it. They lost. They were done. Dynasty over. Now, please go away. And they've been doing that for the past 10 years to, you know, limited effect. Well played. Well played, Mrs. Cartelli. Uh, John, you're up. Go ahead. Well, I don't have... Uh much of one, but it is NBA trade deadline day. And I don't know if I'm stepping on, on your cape here, Mike, but um, the number of 
NFL or excuse me, NBA GMs on Twitter is significantly larger than the number of offensive line coaches on Twitter. So <laughs> I am glad that my preferred sport is football because I don't know that I could handle a daily deluge of uh, the smart set on Twitter, second guessing every single move by my favorite basketball team. I can't handle weird Celtics Twitter as it is. So uh, I'll, I'll leave that for, uh, my final thought, but I'll go to Mike on route one first. Go ahead, Mike. Um, yeah. So first off um, to recap um, the, the statistics, the statistics for our references today were um, 1996 Hank Scorpio Simpsons, the natural, that would be 84. Correct. Godfather, yeah. Godfather twice. That's 50 years old this year and all the president's <laughs> men, which is 70, Four. So average average is, is over 40 there. So we're, we're doing well. Uh, check, check. There was no hello, my baby. Hello, my dad. Manchurian candidate. <laughs> Drag down the average. Man, that Manchurian candidate. Yeah. Oh, and, that's right. Yes. Jeez. And nine, nine to five was what, 1980? Oh, shit. We had nine to five too? God damn it. Yeah. All right. All right. No, not, not bad. Uh, but um, my, uh, my, my take for the week is uh, Mac Jones. I, I've actually, I've never... I've probably seen in my life, I would definitely, it's definitely less than 10 minutes of Pro Bowl action. And um, I'll just take the under. The most boring, but yeah, uh, Mac, Mac Jones mic'd up at the Pro Bowl. Uh, man, he, I, I, I liked it. That's, that's a leader. That's a guy um, that I want leading my team. And it's, it seems insignificant and it, it is, but that's just a guy that people respond to. And his energy and his uh, just the way he approached it. And it was, you know, it was a stupid non-competitive game and he was kind of being competitive with it. I just, I liked it. And that's, that's a guy I want leading my team. And you can kind of see why the, the veterans on that team um, responded to him in such a, a positive way and speak about him in those terms. So um, I'm glad he's, he's the guy. Great point. Um, my final thoughts, plural. Uh, Scar, uh, excuse me, Scartelli mentioned it in the sports trunk drawer. So I will say that uh, Peebsy, you are effectively proven right in time. You're out on 40, and now 40's out on you, caller. <laughs> um, I'd like to get a Seattle weather forecast for the weekend. The highs will be in the low 50s, uh, some sunshine, and uh, good golf weather, slight breeze. I may have to wear a windbreaker. Um, my second final thought is Ryan Hannibal. Uh, well, bye. And that Andy Hart, you main, you remain the least talented staff member at WEI. Congratulations. Um, the <laughs> NBA trade deadline, I, my hope, my sincere hope is that the James Harden for Ben Simmons trade is the trade that makes both teams exponentially worse. Please, for the love of God, may I speak that into existence. And lastly, um, <clears throat> in the spirit of our next podcast of the flagship podcast being Super Bowl Thirty Six. Here is uh, Super Bowl 56 commentator Chris Collinsworth before the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl on February 3rd of 2002. All the advantages do go to the Rams. And, JB, I've got to be honest, I haven't been this confident that one team would beat another team in a Super Bowl since Super Bowl III. That is your pro football focus founder right there. <laughs> ahead of time. Well done. I got to tell you, Al. So, um, anyway, those are my final thoughts. Uh, good luck, Hammer and Hannibal. You're going to need it. Dan, uh, Dan, you're up. Uh, ben Volan's the subject of my final thought. Uh, ironic, considering Ben's next thought might well be his first. 
I, I don't seek out his work. If possible, I avoid it because come on, what's he going to say? You know what he's going to say. You already know his spin long before he sets pen to paper. From the day he came to Boston, he's made it clear who he is, a simple-minded troll whose lone agenda is to tell people that the things they love aren't lovable. He's there to strip any enjoyment you might gain from the team, that the 20-year unprecedented success was due only to luck, cheating, inferior opponents, biased refs, and on occasion, Tom Brady's magical arm. In short, he shits on things. I made a mistake today and clicked on something he wrote. See, I, I saw that he happened to be the one who asked Roger Goodell about Mike Florio's Deflategate revelations that Jeff Pash expunged the 2015 PSI spot check data and that Troy Vincent was Chris Mortensen's source for those faulty numbers. That's unusual, I thought. Goodell isn't one of Ben's targets. Volan typically carries Goodell's water alongside all the other good little water carriers. But given Ben's efforts today, it became clear that the question was just lip service to set up what he really wanted to talk about. Remember Spygate, Ben wrote? Remember how Pash destroyed the evidence for you? Destroying evidence goes both ways. The Pats had it coming, Ben was telling us. Besides, he said, Deflategate was never about the science. The texts and Tom's destroyed phone are all you need to know. Deflator, 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 you get the gist. Volan's question was just his inroads to troll some more. Silly Patriots fans for thinking they, they, they were owed something. And silly me for reading past the headline. Some time ago on this pod, we asked, which is it? Is, is Volan stupid or is he malicious? To which I said, why not both? They're not mutually exclusive. Volan can be both dumb and evil. Luckily for him, those were just the traits the Globe was looking for when they hired him back in 2013. For whatever reason, you understand, the Red Sox view the Patriots as the competition. They don't compete against each other. Their seasons barely overlap. They're not taking fans or business away from one another, yet that's what they believe nonetheless. So John Henry has given his paper the mandate to treat the Patriots adversarially and antagonistically even. And Ben Volan was just the man for the job. I'm going to frame this as charitably as possible and view it from a Bill Belichick perspective. Ben Volan is doing his job. The Globe hired him to be vicious, antagonistic, incurious, irresponsible, unaccountable, illogical, dishonest, passive-aggressive, and immoral. Ben's all that and then some. Your job and my job is to seek out coverage that is honest, responsible, insightful, and dignified. Ben's doing his job. Do your job by not being a witness to Ben doing his job. Well said, Dan. Well said. I think the best word in that to describe Ben Volan was incurious. Well done. Dan is at Patriots Daily. Mike on Route 1 is at In This Town 1. Scartelli is the purveyor of the sports drunk draw at the15net.com. You can find him on Twitter at Pat Scartell. John is at That John Irons. Uh, my name is Mike Irons. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entitled Town, where the average age of the pop culture cultural references he tried to say is 55 and planning their retirement uh thank you for listening to entitled town 99 the 100th episode of entitled town is on deck with the weekend boys and we will be back next week to talk uh super bowl 36 uh the, everything that started all and i remind you as always in signing off the podcast to turn off your radio and we're going to stay positive all the way through and if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.